Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this episode of Last Words, we're talking John Schaefer from Ice Earth's Insurrection, Gate Creeper's brand new release, and also asking the question, can boomers use the internet? So we're only 10 days into 2021, but it's already been a very, very long year. Welcome back to Last Words, presented by The Pit. I'm one of your co-hosts, Doc Coyle from the band Bad Wolves and the host of the X-Men podcast. I'm Katie Rosari of Season of Mist, Loudwire, and now Outburn Magazine. And we're bringing back one of our co-hosts from the beginning of the show, Ms. Zena Coda. Yeah, B, what's up? I'm back. Two of my oldest friends um, here on this podcast. You know, really excited to be back with you guys. We're really excited to have you back. I mean, for those who don't know, Zena and I, many moons ago, actually hosted a podcast together. In the OG days, man. Yes. Where we, we had the Zoom mic and fucking sat and got really high in my... In my- <laughs> in Brooklyn, you know, with good times. We just got to talk about dudes. Dudes. <laughs> That's literally all we talked about dudes. was dudes, occasionally music, but mostly dudes. Like it was just, yeah, we were uh, different times and we're, we are totally in different places of our lives now. That's for sure. So for everybody who doesn't know who I am, my name is Zena Koda. I'm an OG metal personality. Remember when people actually used to host things on TV. Uh, I hosted a show on SiriusXM's Liquid Metal for many years. Still do a host gig every now and then and also host a podcast called Everything's Political. So now that I'm reunited with you fools, Doc, Katie, what have you guys been up to on this podcast? We've been arguing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We've been demonetized from YouTube at least twice. (laughs) Sick. And, you know, I, I feedback shamed many bands and I shamed bands for being on Bandcamp, which I... I reject and denounce myself for, for, for being the uh, the mainstream metal guru over here on Last Words. And uh, shout out to Jordan, who is no longer with us, but you know we we love you, Jordan. We'll, we'll see you soon. But now, see, I like it because now I'm outnumbered by the ladies, and I'm going to be on <laughs> even more on defense than I was previously because I was like, you know, they were like the cool kids listening to. De- you know, death heaven in battle vests. And now I'm just outnumbered from a gender standpoint. So I'm, I'm very excited. That's very always excited. been the idea for this podcast though. <laughs> We've always <laughs> wanted the ladies to overrule it. No, shout out to Jordan though. I have a lot of love for Jordan. He's mad fucking talented. And, um, or are we not supposed to be cursing? Like, don't I put like a, cursing. Like useless ones like, so we was chilling and shit. And then we went to the store and shit. And then uh, I had some and fucking, fucking guy. That's not. Don't waste them like that. All right, all right. I'll be I'll, I'll be a little bit more uh, conservative with my fucks. Sorry. I definitely want to shout out Jordan. I had a great time with him on the show. It was so much fun. And I I hate hanging out and talking to people I, I agree with all the time. Me and him were buttheads, but that's when I have the most fun. Yeah, man. Uh, I really enjoyed having Jordan on the show. By the way, I feel like Doc made it sound like he's dead. He's not. No. He's, he's, <laughs> like, he's no longer with us. He only no, wears uh, corpse paint. <laughs> 
He's full-time Garcenio now. All right. It was great having him on the show. You know, now I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta step up my doom metal game because we're going to definitely have a void now that he's not here. Pun intended. Ooh. Well, you have a different opinion because my, my taste in music is pretty awful and amazing all in one. So doc, you won't be alone in some of the things that you like, because I'm sure we're, we're there. We're there. I think one thing is for sure though, the three of us are Deftone stands. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, as having the unfortunate title here of being the resident Iced Earth fan, I think it's appropriate we just get right into it. If you don't know what's gone on, you've been living under a rock, I don't know, maybe you're blessed enough not to be on social media. John Schaefer, uh, one of the founding members and guitar player of Iced Earth, was a part of the crowds that stormed the Capitol building last week. So this has obviously made major news, and I mean, outside of the sphere of metal, this has hit every mainstream regular website you can imagine. One might call it a PR crisis. Is this a PR crisis for Iced Earth? Yes, absolutely. God bless their publicists. Like, I am with you. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck. But is this a metal crisis, I think, is the question. I, I don't really see it that way. I mean, John Schaefer is an individual. He does not represent the metal community as a whole. Yeah, and one thing I can say, you're not the only resident Iced Earth fan. I love Iced Earth. I'm former <laughs> uh, label mates with Iced Earth. And it's a weird thing because I, I think when I heard about it, it didn't really hit me too hard because there's the thing. I mean, sick riffs have no political connotation. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I have a, a relative ability to kind of separate the art from the artist as far as i know i mean has he been someone who's been very like outspoken about these things or is it just something he's been doing kind of yeah well, the content of the songs too like just think about you know the well, american yeah. pride in their songs like some, it's, it's not a shocker you know some of their songs i feel like they have a lot of fantasy elements more so to their albums they definitely lean more in that like almost power metal lyrical direction yeah. but it does have a lot of political albums like i mean the man wrote the glorious burden like he thinks it's 1774 of course he was out there like that's and he has been outspoken about a lot of these things in interviews and so it's not shocking to me i'd be shocked if they were like tom morello and d snyder were there i'd be like wait who what <laughs> no, 100%. I think this is super on brand, right? Like I, I was telling Katie before, uh, you know, earlier we were texting and I was like, this man is Tampa, Florida, brought to life <laughs> and a human being. I think this is a true tragedy is the fact that like his whole career now, to some, not all, because think about a lot of the fans, not a lot, but probably some of the fans that, you know, are kind of like super into the band might ha might really identify with some of that American pride and that historical pride, right? Like imagine yourself a soldier at Valley Forge. Like you're right, Katie. Like it's like a, it's like fantasy role play for American like pride, right? Like so I'm not I'm honestly personally not surprised. I just think that it sucks that his reputation is now shrouded in, in this like really egregious, hateful thing that they pulled off that will like remain a stain on American history. The same history that they spent all this time loving, right? So it's kind of ironic in some ways. I don't think it's the band's score. I think that, that's the unfortunate thing. It's not that it's his, his scourge. He knew what he was doing. Again, he's an individual. He acted how he acted. These are his consequences. What I feel bad for is it's the band and the label sure. and, and the fans even who now get blamed. Like, 
oh, you must be a part of the problem then. It's like, you know, when I got into I started, I was 13 years old. You think I cared about politics? Like I didn't even, again, boys, 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 boys. I was not thinking about politics or anything like that and music. And someone was just like, hey, you like Iron Maiden? You might like this band. And that's all I heard was a band that had an amazing singer that sounded like Iron Maiden. Like I was not getting into this band for political reasons and I've not been a fan of this reason. You know, I mean, I listen to Iced Earth, but at the same time, you know, I listen to Power Trip. So it's like, you know, what mm. I listen to is nothing to do with my beliefs. I mean, I'm a hardcore atheist and have a lot of disdain for Christianity. I love Striper. I, yeah, I listen to a band, I hear their music and that's when I'm like, yeah, you suck. But they have like a political or even any kind of opinion that I don't agree with, whatever that might be. I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh man, like now I can't listen to this anymore. It's like, I like what I like. I was born this way. I can't help it. You know, it's just who I am and my memories and my connection with Iced Earth has always just been, wow, you know, I love the way this sounds. And even their lyrics, I mean, The Dark Saga has always been my favorite album. And that's about the comic book Spawn. And that album got me through so many breakups and bad relationships, you know, it's totally tied to just personal stuff and not their politics. So when this stuff happens, it's like, yeah, I know who he is because I read their interviews and whatever, but that just to me just has never had a bearing on the band itself. And I feel bad for his bandmates because I don't know these people. I don't know what they think. I don't know if they agree with him or not. Um, and I just feel they're now being put in a position regardless of how they feel about him, where now they are being attacked. It's just, that's who I feel the real victims are. The band, sure. the label. he's not really a victim. He did what he did. He faces whatever consequences he faces. That's his problem. It just sucks that other people now have to face those consequences. Well, I, I think one, one thing that this whole situation makes me think about is just the idea of radicalization or extremism that we live in now, where another interesting relation to Iced Earth is their former singer, Matt Barlow, quit the band to become a police officer after 9-11. And it kind of makes this through line between John Schaefer because I think it shows that for some people, there's other things for them that become more important than music or more important than having a career in music. And obviously wherever he got to that point, he felt the need to be on the front lines and be an activist and act. And I don't think, I, I, I wonder if there was some country musician out there or some maybe a different genre of music, if, if it would be as much of a story so when there are artists that are outside of, you know, just the metal genre, I just think in general, like anybody of note that attended, especially because they're going on a manhunt for everybody who was basically like inciting this violence, it was there. What I'm really interested actually in Zach, like, and you know this because you've been in bands with controversy uh, over the years for sure. And you can answer this or not answer this. Is, is how do you, how do the other band members handle that? Like what Katie was saying, like it sucks to have those kind of things kind of be a scar on your reputation and i i'm, I'm sympathetic because i think it's, it takes a really strong bond between the band members to really kind of you know move forward and and band together to be strong yeah i mean just to kind of address that a lot of the stories that we do with on the show hit me differently because i'm a musician and i can i have to relate to this stuff in a totally different way and my band is making a ton of news right now because we split with our singer and a lot of people are blaming us and saying, oh, we fired him because of politics, which is, I'm not, I'm literally not even legally a member of the band. I can't fire anyone. So it's kind of hilarious anyway. But just as a human being, 
I have my political ideas, but I think we should be able to coexist and think differently and have different opinions and not make that the central theme of why we're in a band, unless you're in a political band like Rage Against the Machine where it's about that. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain point where it overshadows the music and it goes so far where this is something where, like I said, this is if he was thinking about his musical career, he wouldn't have been there, right? That totally. action was more important than I got to make a new album, you know? And and listen, and I wonder if it was, if we found out someone from like Fever 333 was taking over one of those government buildings in Portland or something, would we feel the same way? Would we identify more with their cause more? I don't know. I think once the point you get to violence, once the point you get to destroying property, invading uh, space, I think I'm just not with you because I don't think that's how you win. If you, you know, that's not how you convince people. It seems like you're on another thing. That is extremism to me. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's something I've, I've dealt with, but I want to be able to exist even with people I disagree with and make not make politics the main thing. And if that's how much you, if you're that invested in it, where you're w- willing to go there, then it's beyond music, you know? And I don't personally think this is like a stain on metal heads because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a predominantly metal thing and and as a community i think it's been more repudiated than anything i think that's an interesting thing to say though because it was just some trashy shit like Like, i don't like i'm gonna be real like of tampa florida (laughs) stop i can't with you he (laughs) might as well be a contestant on rock of love oh my god i didn't want to do rock of love spin-up show but there's already a whole bunch of them all right we have to talk about love come on Uh, yes my girlfriend might have a problem with it so there was actually a really interesting tweet from one of our former guests actually one of my favorite guests i think we had into armors mike papeo he called in if you recall from a woodshed and showed us all of his tools that was a good time with mike he tweeted that like all of his family members this is i'm paraphrasing here but like his like family members and people know he's a metalhead and he's in a metal band so now they've seen this news about John Schaefer and Iced Earth. They keep calling him. Like, do you know this band, Iced Earth? Like, do you know this band, Iced Earth? Like, what? I don't know if you guys saw this tweet or you have any, like, thoughts on it. I mean, it was just kind of funny. I personally do not have any family members ask me about Iced Earth. But weirdly, I did have family members ask me about Power Trip. Like, not e- even before Riley died, my dad just texted me out of nowhere. Like, do you know, do you know what trash metal is? I'm like, what the, uh, trash metal? I'm like, why is this man asking me this? And he's like... Oh, uh, because I'm watching Fox News and, and Greg Guthfried or Guthfield is wearing a Power Trip shirt and talking about them and their new CD. And I wanted to know if you knew them. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So, um, you know, so I have had that happen. I have not had this happen in this instance. Um, I did also have it happen with a family member reached out to me and asked if I knew who Children of Bodham was recently when Alexi died. But I don't I actually haven't gotten that yet. What do you have you guys gotten this at all with this band or even any band really? No, but it kind of annoys me because a metalhead can do do some criminal stuff like storm the Capitol. And it's like, who is this person? Get rid of them, put lock them up. And then a rapper can shoot like nine people. And it's like, man, <laughs> that's my hero. People get tattoos with that oh. on their chest. And it's like, oh my god, it's so true though. Yeah. I mean, I worked in hip hop for a long ass time. Forget it. <laughs> there was, and I would actually have family members and people ask me about like, 
who is this little Yachty or who is this Nipsey Hussle or like random people like that, but never a metal band. I do think that people are, are ultra fascinated to find out that people who do extremist behavior and things like this are like, whenever there's like a critical news moment, when they have an ounce of fame or were a musician, like that piques people's interest. And I think like, you know, the older ones try to stay in the mix and try to try to relate with you a little bit. But um, yeah, I've never really had that happen other than rappers, honestly, because they're, well, I, they're just more character filled to and more like accessible probably to a broader audience in some ways. Metal culture at, at large is seen as kind of the ugly stepsister of stepchild of, of pop culture. And if you see any movie, if the, like what was that movie? It, the, the one bully was like listening to Anthrax and had a metal shirt and he was the bully. Or I was watching that movie 30 minutes or less. Uh, uh, what's his name's character in there was always listening to metal. And it's like, that's how we're kind of viewed. And unfortunately, I think anytime something like this does make major news, it perpetuates a stereotype of just being kind of lower class and trashy and weird. And I, and it, it sucks. It go, and this goes back to the 90s and the 80s when some kid would kill themselves and they were listening to Judas Priest so they'd sue the band and it, I think it has it really has ties to that and it, it it's kind of whack but I just I feel like that's just what we are we're always going to be in uh the back of the bus so to speak it's also tied to white culture right like to your point so I was reading an article earlier today that kind of was talking about um you know dude with the fur hat whatever the hell his name was who basically stormed in at the, at the Capitol that he had some identifiable white supremacy tattoos kind of put on, you know, uh, tattooed, I think like connected to some kind of Nordic symbols, um, which also is like something that kind of connects to the black metal community. And I think that that's like one of the things it's always connected to white supremacy. And, um, you know, that's a bummer, but he was cute. Not gonna lie. I hate myself for it, but he was cute. I know what's going on over there. Him, the podium guy. I'm like, what has quarantine done to me? Why do I think these guys are cute? What's happening? Hot from crazies. Um, you know, I got. I will say, I saw. I haven't read this article, but I saw that a lot of people in the pagan community were upset because these are actually symbols that have been reappropriated to represent white power when they actually mean something totally different. Um, which is also problematic because if you are a true pagan who don't have these racist beliefs, in fact, the opposite, they're very, you know, they're like, like ancient hippies, you know? Um, I think that th that's what's upsetting because it's like, wow, now my culture is being reappropriated into something hateful. Um, and that's the same thing even, you know, I mean, I don't know if I could say, even say this word on YouTube, even in the context thing, but the Nazis did that. The swastika was originally a Buddhist symbol, and they actually mm -hmm. took a lot of Buddhist symbols and reappropriated them from this extremely peaceful culture and made it something totally hateful. So I haven't read this article, but from what I've gathered, from what I've seen, and from what I know as far as pagan symbolism goes, that it's been reappropriated. Um, and it's unfortunate because now there are people like that who now give people who genuinely believe in these peaceful practices a really bad name. Well, as a half white person, I'm just sick of the all these white dudes, you know, crazy white supremacists out there making white people like me look bad. <laughs> Personally, you know, these stereotypes. A little, little caramel ruining, in there, baby. <laughs> are ruining it for white people like me. Can't go anywhere. Can't get pulled over from the cops. It's terrible. What do you think about those tattoos, though? <laughs> Which one of us is going to get us demonetized this this week, Doc? Me or you? No, that's just good jokes right there. I know it is. I'm kidding. See, people you think I'm going to be like, listen, as a black man, here's the, here's the thing about me. 
okay? I'm biracial, all right? I got a white father, black mother, and most mixed black and white kids, they pick one and usually they go black. They're like, I'm black, you know? Barack Obama wasn't like, I'm not the first mixed president, I'm black, black power, right? Me, I'm like, I'm black and white. I'm not picking one, all right? I'm gonna I'm live as both, okay? That's how I'm. That's how I'm gonna do it. All right, and I just switch I mean, on them when I need to be white. I'm white. When I need to be black, I'm black. Cold we do love a, I do love a good chocolate vanilla. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's the best kind of ice cream. Oh, I Cold know. Switcher. <laughs> Stop getting bad tattoos and not really trying to stand out behind it. Yeah, <laughs> like really. honestly, those tattoos. Like, I. I mean, my man was actually like in it, right? Like he lived the tattoos. But to me, like, I don't. I just think it's silly because. As Doc was saying, that traditional like 80s, like seven, late 70s, 80s kind of view of metal got put into this pop culture bastardization that made it feel like it couldn't be, it couldn't be respected or classy in the mainstream. And um, you know, perpetual the perpetual like kind of like vibe there has just kind of kept it down. And um, I don't know, like as somebody who's of color and has been doing this for a long time, I was one of a kind in my opinion, at one point. Uh, Doc, definitely one of a kind, even though he's white, duh. Um, <laughs> but like, I just think that in, in general, like it, when you have people out there screaming white power and making that kind of, um, you know, making that their image, like for us, it just kind of, it really, it kind of puts a little bit of a blemish on the face of metal in general. Well, here's the thing. Remember, I'm white today. I'll be, I'll be black tomorrow, so. It's cool. Let me take you to a hip hop party. I'll see the blackness come out. <laughs> oh, then I'll, I'll be like, What's up? my voice What's gets up? a little deeper. Like, What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Word. What's good, my bro? All right. All right. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. And I think what the unfortunate thing here really is, too, is when you see what does hit the mainstream media, because I've always viewed metal as diverse. I've always seen metal to have no borders and always just been a real open community, going to shows and especially in New York and just seeing a sea of different people and colors. And it's definitely become more and more so as the years have gone on. So I think it's unfortunate if people look at this and they say, oh, well, uh, one person said or did this, one person was racist or this guy had metal tattoos and he was racist. So this must apply to the whole genre. Because when you look, it's the opposite. I think out of any genre of music, we're the most internationally diverse because like even here in America, typically pop artists are American. I'm not even talking about skin color or race. I'm just talking about they're typically American born, you know, but whereas metal, uh, you know, we have bands that are just as equally huge, whether you're the Scorpions, whether you're Judas Priest, whether you're Metallica, um, you have bands like Rammstein who sing in their native, no English at all. And they're completely mainstream at this point, like a household name. I don't really see that as, promi as pre uh, prominently in other genres. And I think that is the beautiful thing about metal. And it's a shame that there's people out there trying to make it seem like this isn't diverse because it is. And that's one of the things I love about metal. And you know, some people also might look at that as a curse because you get people like the John Schaefer's of the world who are committing violent acts. And at the same time, I look at it, it's like, you know what? I think it's better than the alternative. I look at it as a blessing that we are this diverse. You're gonna get all kinds of personalities. Some of them are gonna suck, but I would rather that than this be super cookie cutter and, and, and exclusive. I like metal the way it is. And I hope more people see it that way because 
like I said, I've never looked at this like this is a this is a I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe when I was younger, because, again, that's what I was perceiving. It's a white man's genre. But now I see it and I'm like, women dominate not just music, but the music industry. You should see what behind the scenes look like. People of color, I see them, like I said, whether they're in the audience or on the stages. And I just wish more people would open their eyes and see that metal is diverse and it's only becoming more diverse. And I wish more people would accept that as well. I think that's a great point of view, Katie. And you bring up the point about international, like, you know, Latin America loves metal. Like next to Rihanna, you could have Slipknot, right? Like, so I think that that's a really fair point. And also, I don't think it's as much of an issue as we think it is. And I think that this is just a blemish on a really um, mm-hmm. controversial time, right? I, I, You're right, like the younger generation is very diverse, um, is also very intersectional, right? There's people who identify male, female, and everywhere in between. Like, I think that moving forward for a new generation of people who love metal and families that love metal and just kind of looking around, like it, it isn't the problem that I think can be inflammatory when news hits like this. It's, it's something that um, I think will come and go, especially as we continue on in a more, uh, a, a less extreme time in Stockfest. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of put a, put a cap on, on it for me, mm-hmm. you gotta think, it could also go the, go the other way where a lot of people say the problem with rock and roll is that it's not dangerous enough. So who knows, maybe Revolution Core will be like the next wave in, in metal where it's instead of burning churches, people trying to overthrow the government and that'll be like a whole st- genre of music. I mean, you can just hear the lyrics now, you know, going into the Capitol, gin, 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 gin. <laughs> grabbing up the congressman, gin, 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 gin. you know, that could be that could be the next wave, you don't know. So I don't know. So we have an unexpected release from the band Gatecreeper that dropped just the other night and it's called an unexpected reality and it's an unexpected release. They just did a drop as they call it, kind of how they do in hip hop or pop. It's a banger of an album. Most of the songs fall within a minute or something in that range. And then the, except the last song, which is really long. What do we think about this guys? Do we, do we like bands just dropping a record out of nowhere or do we expect in metal for a little more extended advance and pr- promotion period? What do you guys think? So. I have a pretty awesome opinion of it. I think that metal is finally getting out of the same release schedule that they've been stuck in forever. In the hip hop world, which I did work at Atlantic Records, setting up urban you know, digital marketing, we would drop anything, anytime, anywhere. And there's a reason hip hop sells really well. And there's a reason the fans are so engaged because they're not kind of like waiting for this thing in an old school antiquated kind of media mind. They're just giving people content constantly. And, um, you know, in kind of reading the press release around this release and kind of listening to the record, A, not really my cup of tea. I like the music a lot. The vocals don't do it for me, but you're right, Doc, that last track is long and I do like it. I like a good instrumental metal track. Um, metal's way of releasing music for years to me has been hyper, hyper antiquated. And in a, in a world where people are literally signing million dollar deals off making videos on TikTok, I'm always blown away that there's not a band that kind of goes that way, right? There's not a band that actually takes advantage of that kind of materials and those kind of mediums because it, to me, it's stupid and it's dumb. Like there's so many more ways to reach fans. And with young kids, which is that TikTok generation that you want to get younger fans because you want to make the genre you know, younger and just give more people access to, to the music. It's just mind blowing that this is press. This is news, right? Thank God that they release it. And even reading through it, like they're like, this isn't a full album. This is just music we had in between. Who gives a crap? 
that's cool. Give your fans the music, let them hear it. We're all waiting for live music to come back. We're all waiting for, you know, something good. So just give it to the people. Like, I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of old school to view releasing music that way. And um, I know Katie, you probably have a different opinion from a PR point of view, but you know, in digital, you never sleep and, and it's 24 seven. So to me, good for them. Why not? I just want to say, Zena, you don't know what it's like then to work with boomers. Okay. You just, you just hit the nail on the head right there when you said it's a younger audience. And when you see the artists that are really thriving, they're younger. We don't have a lot of that. We have very old people and then very old school young people. So that I think is where the disconnect is. All right. You don't know the pain of having to teach someone how to use Twitter or why Twitter is important. I mean, I have bands that don't even know how to post on their own Facebook, Xena. All right. The struggle is real. Oh. Baby steps, one step at a time. But you know what? You were right. This is something like young up and coming metal bands. Yes, please. If you're one of my bands and you're watching this, yes, let's talk more about TikTok. Let's talk more about Twitch. Let's talk more about what you can do to optimize your platform. But baby steps, you know, like like if you still can't, <laughs> can't figure out how to Instagram, we gotta we gotta work on that first, you know. But um, as far as the Gate Creeper record, I kind of see why this was such a why they chose such a unique way to release it. Because again, from a PR standpoint, like when you have three focus tracks, that's usually three songs of like a, let's say 10 minute album or like a 45 minute long record. And if you're, all of your songs are like 30 to like 30 seconds, to like a minute with the exception of one, that one song being like a third, if not more of that entire record's running time, what do you really do with that? So I think this is actually a real clever way to like circumvent the constraints of like, we can't really premiere a minute long song. Like, you know, that's not even really a song. It's just like an instrumental like bit or whatever, or just like a screaming, whatever, you know, it's just, it's not really practical. So yeah, I think this is a really creative way to just kind of get around the constraints you have when you're working with um, a lot less and something that is just in general, compositely different than anything else you're really working with. I think it's brilliant too. My, I also am just like, damn, they released it on a Wednesday. Good for them because <laughs> release day is a uh, Friday. So they went all out the rebel. And I think this, I think this is a good technique and I'm actually really fascinated to see what happens. I'm going to disagree with both of you. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I believe you worked on the- I'm tainted. I'm tainted. No, but you, you worked on the event sevenfold release, right? Where they did I the did. drop? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, and, and Doc, you were there. In I was LA. there. I forgot about and that. Yeah. Ben Sevenfold, one of the biggest fans in metal. It's a good record, but it it did not perform in a way that I think was comparative to their previous records, where every record they had done had gone platinum or gold. So the most recent Event Sevenfold record, The Stage, was dropped by surprise, just like a hip hop record or a pop record. And it did not perform at the level of some of their previous records. And you could say, hey, maybe it's the album, maybe it didn't have the hits. But I think the lifestyle of the of consumers are different. So you can say, oh, pop artists sell a lot. Hip hop artists sell a lot. They really don't, they stream a lot. And then it equals a bunch of sales in the end. But if you look at rock artists and the fans, they still buy the records. Tool goes out and sells a quarter million records the first week because people are still buying the albums. And it's so you you cannot treat every audience the same just because that's where some 
places are going. It's the same way with the movie, right? I mean, yeah, we can somehow, you can just have a movie just shows up on Netflix, like, oh, cool, that movie's out. But sometimes if, if it's the Avengers, you got to promote it for a year so people get excited. I think there's a whole process around getting excited for an album and anticipating it that I think actually is part of the uh, process of how we enjoy a record. It's the same thing with an entire show being released and you get to watch all 10 episodes as opposed to each week waiting for it and having that anticipation process. It's, I don't think it's better or worse. It's just different. And I think the metal audience does like to know about a record coming out. And I think if it wasn't the pandemic, this band probably wouldn't have done this. As somebody who worked that record, uh, Doc, you know, the Avenged Sevenfold one, I agree. And we found that out in the end, right? And I had always suspected as somebody who who has worked in hip hop music and in and more pop music, but also like obviously comes from the metal world and knew that that was the consumer behavior of that consumer because touring, merch sales, all those things are intrinsically connected. It was one of the first times that I think a, a large metal band to that, you know, to that degree had taken that chance. No and I, you know, I think they knew, they knew at the, at the end of the day. But I do think that you're right. Like the pandemic obviously creates a different ecosystem for music in general. And for rock and metal specifically, the loss of touring as a vehicle to promote is also kind of changing the dynamic. And I think it goes even larger, right? To a cultural shift in the way that we, we consume. Cause you're right. Like there's, you know, when you were, I'm, I'm watching Sons of Anarchy, by the way, talk about wet dreams, some hot suits there. Um, <laughs> but seriously, like you think about like watching that show week over week and like the anticipation and, and the way that you grew an affinity for that show versus the drop of like 10 episodes at once where like, you're all about it for maybe like two or three weeks. And then like a month later, you're onto something else. So consumers in general are just becoming more used to that style of um, a relief, release of media. So I think like, you know, that was a specific case because they really kind of pioneered that thought, right? Like nobody would ever dare to do that. And that was only what, four or five years ago at this point. Um, so I, I anticipate that we're going to see this happen more often with more metal bands because it's just a more modern way of releasing music. But you're right. Like, how do you bridge that gap in between? I think that's the big question mark. Well, I'll give you an example. I think where it does work with a big band is what Bring Me the Horizon did with their last album where they released the songs individually. I think they released about half the album. And so they didn't announce an album at all. It was just, boom, here's a song, here's a single, here's a video. And it would blow up because there was, they're a massive band and they would drop just this amazing track. And then they did that four or five times and then the album came. So in a sense, they were promoting the album and you didn't even realize it. So I think there's mm -hmm. ways to do it and I think the way that they did it, it was anticipatory in its own way. And, and they also had great songs and great videos and all that. So it just worked. Are you, are you saying, because I'm not really familiar with that campaign, but I think Metallica did something similar because what Metallica's Hardwire, um, hard, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, they did the same thing where they released like all the music videos first before they released the record. But did Bring Me the Horizon not even announce the record was coming and just like release the music videos and then just be like, oh, by the way, those music videos are part of a record after the fact. Yeah, I, I forget what the Metallica was definitely something like Metallica that. Metallica did announce the record first. Like Metallica was like, hey, we have a record coming. Here's the first video. Here's the next video. Here's the next video. Here's the next video. Next thing you know, music videos for every song. So and then cool. you have the record. But I yeah. wasn't sure if um, with Bring Me the Horizon, I'm just curious if they announced the record, put out the no. videos, 
and then release it. They didn't, that's what I'm saying. So they, they didn't even announce the they record. They actually said. They just put out videos. And then after the videos were out, we're like, by the way, here's a record. Like that. Yeah, but actually what they, no they actually kind of rope-a-doped it where they actually were talking about not even doing albums anymore and just releasing singles. So it was a mm -hmm. surprise that they actually, it actually came out in album form. Or they, they called it an EP, but it was nine songs. I'm like, that's an album. What you talking about? Deftones kind of did the same thing last year where they were like, we're not releasing an album. There's a pandemic. We can't, we're not releasing an album until we could tour around it. And then they released an album. So actually just, actually they technically released two because there was also the remixes. But I'm sorry, Zena, what you're going to say? Well, no, it's just the world of streaming has completely changed from a record label's point of view. And I know because I was in the major labels, right? Like I get it. And I understand like there's a system where they're getting streams and they're waterfalling it into basically an album, right? And I, I think it's kind of beautiful actually. Not to be corny, but it's kind of nice to not give, you know, give artists that kind of pressure always. Um, and I think it does kind of open up the ability to experiment on songs or experiment on different styles that you wouldn't traditionally be able to. Because before, I mean, Doc, you know this better than anybody. You make a record, you deliver it. There you go. We'll see what happens. Then you you pick out your singles, you go to radio. You, there's There was a very formulaic system. And it is kind of cool that bands can can a little bit choose their own fate. Now, getting there, I think, is the hard part, right? Like how you, like getting to the point where you can choose that fate is the question mark. But streaming honestly, like just completely opened another aperture for the business and rock and metal is no different. It just allowed people to kind of like take a different approach to it. And we're going to keep seeing it change and revolutionize. And in fact, it's metals and rock's best interest to do that because everyone else is doing it. Never worked with boomers. Oh, I have. Katie, are you kidding me? I know you have. I know. I got out of the game quick because I was like, I can't deal with you. You have to like get up with the internet. But honestly, a lot of people yeah. don't understand the internet, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people have no clue how to use the internet. It's kind of scary, to be well, honest. They just don't know how to use like streaming. Like, it's like, hey, um, I just got you a cover of this playlist on Spotify. And it's like, but where's my six page decibel feature? It's like, <laughs> it's like, you don't know how important this is. You know, they just think other things are more important. And not saying those things aren't important. But I think they lose the sight of that. Yes, this is also very important. It's like, you don't know what this means having your cover on a playlist on Spotify. More people are going to see that than they're going to see you on a print magazine. Who goes to bookstores? So I have a question. Did anyone like the Gate Creeper record? I was going to just bring that up. Yes, I actually really, I did. Yes, forgot about that part. I, I just love this band. To me, they're like modern death thrash with like obituary type vocals on it. And mm -hmm. I dig it. It was short, sweet, to the point. And the one real song song, it ripped. Not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I like the, the, the instrumentals were really good. And I like some, you know, some of the, the kind of punchy parts, but honestly, like I did, the vocals do not do it for me and never have, um, but it was a well-produced, uh, all right, silver lining. I actually think the production on it was really good. I'll say that much. Yeah. What about I you, Doc? I thought it was fine. I think there's a little hype train going on a little bit. And sometimes, I think sometimes you have an underground band and they just have a sick name and a sick logo. And it's like, you don't even care if you like the band. You're just like, yo, that hoodie is sick. And you just wear it and you get you get scene credit. People see you in the streets and they're like, yeah, gate creeper. And it's good. It's like, it's fine, but I don't, there's no, nothing I hear. I'm like, this band is doing something I've never heard. It sounds very familiar. It's heavy. Makes your head bang, got some riffs. And I think, like agreeing with you, it was the last song where there seemed to be some atmosphere. 
and some melody developed and I, and it, it had almost a, a cool Scandinavian vibe. And I felt, oh, now I can finally kind of sink my teeth into something that had a little more depth than I think was represented in the early songs where you can't get deep in 50 seconds, very hard yeah. to do. So given, given that it was, it's a fun record, but yeah, it wasn't as groundbreaking as I feel like maybe the hype is telling me it's maybe it should be. That's branding, baby. <laughs> That's the branding of the band. I don't know. I agree. And I love, I love all the things you just said. Like, I don't, I, I think it's the kind of band that you see live and you had a few drinks and you're like, this fucking rips, let's go, you know? But I, I, I just can't listen to it. Maybe I'm old now and I just live for an amazing melody coupled with a really, really great rhythm. And there was just nothing there that sold me on that end. But, um, it's great if you want a quick, you know, a quick listen, but it's not going to make my legendary list for sure. No, I feel the same way. This band isn't, I don't think, particularly groundbreaking. They're not reinventing the wheel, but I dig it anyway. Sometimes that's just what I want. I just want a healthy dose of metal that just makes me just say, all right. You know, I was actually disappointed because I like music like this to get me started in my day, you know, just get the blood flowing, get like the energy going. And like I, this album was over before I even got on the highway. You know, I was actually like, oh, all right. Gotta find something else now. That's what I was gonna question. Fast like, and quick. Is this a healthy dose? 50 seconds for a song? Not a healthy dose? dose. You're right, not a healthy mm -hmm. dose. Yeah, no, no. Just an appetite. You, you got me there. All right, well, before we go, I'd be remiss if we didn't address since the last episode we put out, we've had three major losses in the metal community. Cynic bassist Sean Malone passed away. Children of Bodom guitar legend Lexi Le Alexi Leho passed away. And Marsha Zazula, wife of Johnny Zazula, who founded Megaforce Records and was a major, major part in putting bands like Metallica, Anthrax, all of that on the map, all passed away recently. Marsha, I think for all of us, uh, represents something in particular special because she was also from New Jersey, part of that Old Bridge crew. So that, you know, all of us being from the East Coast, there's that pride there. I had the pleasure of working with her and Johnny briefly when at one of my PR jobs. And that was definitely a big deal for me because she was such a trailblazer for women. And Sean Malone, you know, he played with Cynic. It's a band on Season of Mist. I worked with him briefly, but in the brief time I did work with him, he was just, he was a gentleman. Um, you know, he really was really easy to work with, very, very polite um, and a mega talent. And um, last, but of course, certainly not least, Alexi Leho, who is just, the man was a legend. And that one really, you know, that was the, the news that I saw that I think also like the mainstream actually acknowledged for once, like, wow, here was this mega talent. Like it wasn't Eddie Van Halen this time. It was someone like who was elevated to Eddie Van Halen status who kind of deserved it, at least from my perspective. I've been a Cynic fan for years. And what makes that so terrible is that Sean Reiner, the drummer died not that long ago as well. And I remember seeing them, you know, they, they kind of had a comeback, you know, maybe about 10 years ago and you know, two thirds of the band is, is gone and that's just a real tragedy. And Children of Bodom, I got to tour with twice. So I was friends with Alexi and, you know, we shared the same guitar company. So we did a lot of work with that and same uh, pickups. And yeah, he's a guitar, he's one of the few guitar heroes remaining and that we've, that, that we've lost that he's the type of player that is, he, you know, he, there's great musicians, but there's rock stars. And he was able to kind of combine that 
into one person and a great front man just had that charisma that people really attach themselves to. And it's, it's just, just to see someone that young, he's basically the same age as me pass away is, is horrible. And I had the good fortune to have Johnny Z on my podcast not too long ago. I read his book and talking to him and reading his book and learning the history, like you said, New Jersey, heavy metal, Metallica, Anthrax, Merciful Fate, all these, these bands. And he gives as much credit to his wife as, as he does himself, you know, for being really the backbone of perhaps the entire thrash metal movement, which is also, that is the heavy metal movement of the eighties. So it's, it's been a rough week. As we say, 20, 2021 is uh, still 2020 esque in many ways. And, and so it's been, it's been a rough week. 2020 part two, right? I mean, you guys just hit it on the head really like, it's just, it's always sad to lose people. It's sad to lose people too young. What was super crazy for me, it was the night before Alexi passed away. I was actually watching a special on reels because I'm obsessed with those like documentaries they have about like the events that horror movies are basically based on. And Alexi was actually talking head on one of them, kind of talking about the Friday the 13th killings and like the whole history and how it was associated. And that's where actually their name came from. So it was weird because I, you know, I had always just seen him as like this, you know, guitar god, like Doc said. But hearing him talk about that, it was cool to hear him talk about like his native country and all of these different things. And I was shocked because I, you know, I hadn't seen him physically in so long until like wake up the next morning and that happened. I was like, wow, you know, what a tragedy. And, um, you know, I just hope that, you know, future generations can really look to like the print, the imprint that he made on metal and, you know, take that kind of discipline that he had to have had to be that kind of, you know, guitar god. Um, with Marsha, same deal, man. Jersey all the way, but also like, for me, what re what's really super interesting is like, just the female impact that she had, and like the way that she paved the road for other women in metal and rock. And you know, when I was coming out, you know, my first job was at Earache Records. You know, like I, I never knew that women could. You know, I never realized that women could really kind of go this route. And um, it's women like that who really helped pave the way and have just been like you know, kind of a beacon of light for a lot of us who have been in the industry and look to do things like that. So definitely a tragedy and really like the fact that she helped kind of pave the way for some of the biggest bands, obviously <laughs> legendary bands in the genre. Like you can't stop and not think about how important that is. And um, whenever you lose somebody like that, it's definitely very sad. So let's hope that 2021, we can keep our legends closer to our hearts and alive. But yeah, respect to all of them. <laughs> So that was this week on Last Words presented by The Pit. You can find us here every Thursday. You can find me on social media at Doc Coyle, Twitter and Instagram. Katie, where can the people find you? You can find me, Twitter and Instagram at Merciful Kate. What about you, Zena? Google it. Oh. <laughs> at Zena Coda everywhere. To ease. So if you want to check out our shady faces and Doc's handsome mustache, you can check us out at youtube.com slash The Pit and check out all of the past episodes. And you can find us at We Are The Pit on Twitter and Instagram. And please hit us up, drop us a message if you have any hot takes on who's going to be involved in the next insurrection. Mm -hmm.